Today's episode of the Mets Up Podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. First off, that's huge. And that's what we use here on the Mets Up Podcast. I highly suggest it. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other streaming services. And you're allowed to make money from your podcast from day one with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So make sure you guys download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Ooh, what is this now? Uh, episode six, I think, of the Metzed Up podcast. And finally, finally, we have some great things to talk about. We waxed the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm taking that term. Waxed them. <laughs> we absolutely waxed them. It is an exciting day to be a part of the Metzed Up podcast. You guys know we got to go through the drill at the beginning. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and watch us on YouTube. Just look up the Metzed Up podcast. And then you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Metzed up. James has been doing a killer job on the Instagram. So if you aren't following us over there, even more content, make sure you drop us a follow. Really do appreciate it. Like I said today, we've got another great episode here. Me and James talking Mets baseball, and it's it's positive. It's finally positive. We really haven't had a chance to have a positive episode since what? Like the first couple? Yeah, literally the off season. <laughs> yeah, the off season was probably the last time we were able to be. We haven't been negative yet. But it was also the first time we were able to be positive in a, quite some now, time. Today, we, we, we get to be bubbly. We're, we're a little loose. We got the shoulders going. We're wearing our alma maters on our shirts. Happen to both be wearing red today, which is just a weird coincidence. I think it's the blood of our enemies that we just slayed this past weekend because we had to show some love to the Phillies getting wow. absolutely destroyed and waxed because that's what the waxed. Mets did. Waxed them. As low as we were feeling before... I'm back. I'm back on the high. I'm back on the high. Totally. It's crazy that we're having another podcast on such a rainy gray day over here in the Northeast, but our mood and our winds have just like absolutely catapulted us past the weather. We strictly podcast on rainy days when the Mets were also supposed to have a game today and it ended up getting rained out for what's going to be another doubleheader at some point this mm-hmm. year, which is I think probably they said the, June, June. Okay. At least it'll be nice then. I'm tired of these doubleheaders, even though we did sweep the Phillies in a doubleheader the other night. I like doubleheaders. Doubleheaders are fun. Double seven inning thing. Seven inning thing is yeah. Well, seven inning thing is a little weird still. It's like hard to keep track of, but it's so fun that like you can have a game that just have another game. Watching the Mets for five straight hours. There's no better way to spend an afternoon. A little, a little costly at the ballpark. I think we had like you know ended up being like six or seven beers like total, and it was like man, that's just like a hundred dollars to alcohol gone right there. So. Listen, I was excited. It was good. We have a lot to talk about here. So many positives. Uh, let's just uh, let's just hop right into it, right? Let's just start talking about how good the Mets are playing right now. And I think we always have to start it with the pitching. The pitching has been so so good for the Mets, especially starting pitching. Like Taiwan Walker, let's just go game 1, right? Taiwan Walker, this guy continues to show us that he's solid. Wasn't incredible. So, no, he, he had a very different start to his last game out. An opening day, or home opening day, whatever whatever you want to call it, when he was out there, he was using a lot more of his secondary pitches and inducing a lot more ground balls, getting a ton of weak contact, which is great, but on Tuesday afternoon, he was getting tons of whiffs. His whiff numbers were way up against the Phillies, which, again, in a vacuum, that is good, that this day it happened to be Good, not great, but still, it was a very positive start for Taiwan. The velocity held, which is the biggest deal with him, I think. Yeah, I mean, like, being at the stadium watching that, it seemed like the ball was really jumping out of his hand. Again, first start I've ever seen of Taiwan Walker as a Met, so I think I even talked about this last week with watching DeGrom, like, just haven't seen a game in a while, and especially for a guy like DeGrom, even, whose velo has been going up and up, it's good to see the ball, like, coming out of these guys' hands really fast, and that's what it looked like with Walker on uh, Tuesday 
afternoon, I guess, technically. Like you said, wasn't great. Take the two in between there, get a little more whiffs. Probably a few, well, he was getting a lot of ground balls, you said, right, the other day? Op- opening day he was, yeah. He uses like the more of like the sliders and the splitters to get ground balls. He wasn't using those pitches as much. You never know how a guy's feeling on a given day. It had him going less deep in the game, which is the function of throwing more pitches, getting more strikeouts rather than getting the ground balls. But he was super, super effective. And you just love to see that. You find the in-between there, and that's a really solid pitcher. Getting the ground balls, getting oh, yeah. a swing and miss, the combination of both. And I think that's probably what you have to see a little bit more in Taiwan Walker is he's not going to be your ace. He's not trying to no. be. No one thinks he's going to be. But if he can come out every five days and give us a chance to win, which he is more than doing right now. A chance? Yeah, he's putting us in the driver's seat to win these games. Like, I'm super, super excited with what I've been seeing from him. And I know, like, you're a big pitching guy specifically. You love to look at the numbers. I'm sure his numbers are just like, not jumping off the page, but for a guy coming off the two Tommy Johns and not pitching for a while, it's looking pretty solid. Not jumping off the page, but just his rise to becoming like a steady middle of the rotation piece to go along with DeGrom and Stroman, we'll get to, has the Mets right now the third lowest star of the ERA in Major League Baseball, which is a massive step forward from where they were last year. where They were near the bottom of the league throwing out Rick Purcello every five days. Waka. Waka, a lot of, lot of Corey Oswalt, even Kilome got some starts. Just Kalome. the na- again, just think about. I know it's the season's young, but just think about the names and the quality of guys that we're mentioning now, and think about where we were a year ago. It's incredible how much better just this roster is from a construction standpoint. Oh, definitely. And one thing I want everyone to keep track of here with Walker is that I've mentioned the sinker and the slider and the splitter a couple times, and he threw a tiny bit more curveballs on Tuesday compared to his first start of the season. That was the pitch that was more of his bread and butter coming up as a prospect and as a young pitcher before he revamped his entire repertoire. If he becomes more comfortable with that, he gets a third off-speed pitch to mix in at least 10-12% of the time. That's a weapon, a massive weapon. And he battled on on Tuesday night as well. Like He had some innings that were a little close, got out of it. It felt like the Mets were on the ropes for a lot of the innings and somehow came out of it with nothing going wrong. So he was able to get the outs. He was able, able to get the outcomes. And I also liked when Rojas pulled him as well. I think he pulled him at the right time. Didn't try to get too much out of him, which is something we've seen Luis Rojas struggle with. Definitely. I agree with that. And I think that played into just the fact that it was a seven-inning doubleheader as well. If it was the fifth inning of a nine-inning game, the way the Mets have been using their bullpen, even though they had an off day before yesterday, two off days before, they were off Sunday and Monday. So I think that he would have been less quick with the trigger. But the fifth inning and the seventh inning game is basically seventh inning and nine inning game. So he was bang. He put in Castro. That's the Mets seventh inning guy. It's clear as day. And he got the job done. He got to have a big time jam in the fifth. He's looking so good, man. Castro, that's so your good. boy. That's your boy. That's my guy. But like, we have to also talk about him not blowing the game, but being the unfortunate person who blew the lead in the following inning yeah which you know it seems like Castro might be tough to get going for a second inning he might be like I come in hot and I'm ready to go I I almost don't like any there's like a select few relievers in baseball who can really come in for an hour or two then be able to like stay warm stay hot stay energized stay focused and come back out for a second full inning of work and Castro clearly just got cold in the dugout he walked the leadoff man and that came back to bite him as it always does can't walk anybody as a reliever to begin with especially not the leadoff guy because you just put yourself in an immediate hole Castro's looked really solid I love his stuff. I, I was at the game, so I wasn't able to see it on TV and see the actual mm-hmm. movement and stuff. And I think Joe was West was behind the buzzing. plate the first game, and he was yep, sure he was. was. He was rough. I heard from yeah, uh, he was, Joe West. he was, yeah, Big Cowboy bunch. Joe, the star of the game. 
Of course. Well, everyone's <laughs> there to watch Joe West. I was joking, yeah. and I was like, how funny would it be, like, show up to a game, you come in, like, umpire's gear, and you, like, yeah. do a good call? Like, yes, when the when the replay comes on the board, you're like, please get it right, please get it right. Like, no overturn. Because it's like, come I on, to, Joe. Come yeah, on, Joe. His call rate is fantastic. Yeah, everyone watches Joe West. Little side story. It was a big day for Joe. I don't know if a lot of people have been aware of this, but he was embroiled in a defamation lawsuit with Paul LaDuca for a little while, and he actually won the case over the weekend. This was his first game umping after winning a half of a million dollar settlement. Could you imagine putting the gear on and getting behind home plate the day after you got a half of a million dollar settlement? I could I couldn't even imagine that, especially at his age where he does he shouldn't be umpiring anymore. He's terrible at no. it and he's old and it's not dangerous, but it's dangerous for someone of his age to be doing the stuff that he's doing. He's also overweight. Definitely. Like yeah. <laughs> overweight's yeah, really nice way to put it maybe, but <laughs> Yeah, it's also like super hard to win a defamation suit. It's Dude, not especially easy. against Joe West because the claim was to get like like into the case for a little bit. Paula Duca said that he used to give preferential treatment to Billy Wagner because <laughs> Wagner has this incredible collection of like old muscle cars and a- alleged allegedly he used to let Joe West drive them whenever he was in town and allegedly <laughs> Laduca insinuated that this made joe west give billy wagner the benefit of the doubt on some close calls but if you look at joe west checkered history with the strike zone it's impossible to prove that the guy hasn't had a consistent zone in 20 years you would you would need someone who works for the Rays to prove that yeah and that even then like you probably still don't have a case as we can see by him getting a big chunk of money for that case so and sticking to the game baby love of love of the game for the love of the game yeah but enough of yeah. joe west yeah so back to baseball back, back, back to, to game one just we had to we had to tangent a little bit here dom smith off of our boy Chase Anderson, who Young Chase. stinks. Chase Anderson stinks. Two wins off Chase Anderson for the New York Mets. Two. And, and it should continue the rest of the year. <laughs> Many should, more to come. We should only be getting Ws off of Chase Anderson. Every time he steps on the mound, the Mets should be salivating. There should be water dripping from their mouth because, as we've said, if there's a list of pitchers that we want to face in Major League Baseball that we have a shot to get a hit off of, it's Chase Anderson. Like we, the two of us. Yeah, the two of us. Just saying something. <laughs> Just the average Joes. I like saw. I saw they had before the game like his like pitch breakdown or whatever. He basically only throws a fastball changeup. Chase Anderson is like he's kind of like to steal like a saying from another popular baseball podcast, "Rates and Barrels" by Eno Saris and Derek Van Riper. He's oatmeal. He's not exciting. He's not fun. But you just sometimes you just gotta put it in your bowl and just 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 get the job done. Eat it. Helps you poop. Which the Mets did sort of like he actually kind of yeah. End up it should have poorly, but it, no. But he did this exactly the last time too. Well, they were able to chase him. So which is getting the Phillies bullpens win in and of itself because. Which, again, they've been better this year, but still not great bullpens, more middling. But having Dom in the three-hole, what a difference a lineup makes. Every game this series, he was contributing right away. It's nice to not have an automatic come out or automatic out come up, especially when Nimmo just refuses to get out now. All he does, yeah. is, all he Man literally does is actually get on base more than he gets out, which is an insane thing to say. I don't care how many games of the season, if you were getting on base more than you get out, you're in Barry Bonds level territory. You're in Mike Trout territory. You're doing things that statistically shouldn't be happening. So having Dom up there is really good. No, Dom had the fir- first inning RBI in two out of three games. Yep. With the starting pitching we've been getting, that's almost all you need. And it turned out to be that way these two games. And like you, I even think back to like when like how big having a good leadoff guy is, and it's a little bit different because Jose Reyes was more of a like hit to get on base kind of guy, and he, he yeah. steals second, get in scoring <sighs> position that way, but. He got on base all the time, and I think like they used to show the stat where like when he got on base just in the first inning, the Mets ended up winning 
like 80% of the games that he led off the game and got on base. It's such a big deal to be able to get that guy on and then drive it in. And having Dom be in that three hole and actually hitting consistently has been huge. It's one of the reasons why we've been winning. Absolutely. And we're, we're speaking, we're rosy and glowing now. But after that Dom home run, we had about two hours of no hitting for the rest of that game. It was a lot of like, oh my uh, God, here we go again. We, we couldn't even get a hit. We couldn't buy a hit for like five straight innings. Let's, let's fast forward back now to the end of this game. We kind of went to the end, back to the beginning. Now let's go right back to the end. Diaz, again, he had the bad inning on Saturday. Wow. He was electricity during the ninth inning on Tuesday afternoon. He, to start the inning, the Phillies sent up Real Muto as a pinch hitter, and I was terrified because Real Muto sits sits dead red, and Diaz loves fastballs, and I was like, fuck, fuck, shit, shit, shit. But Diaz broke off a first pitch slider to Real Muto, dotted it, and Real Muto was like, huh. You like see him give like the little like nod that the hitters give sometimes, and I went and checked the stats on this. He's only thrown first pitch sliders 7.3% of the time as a Met. That's crazy. It literally would have been stupid for JT Ramuto to go up there not looking fastball. Yeah, he, yeah, he definitely pitch. was looking for it. Mm-hmm. And that's why it was just a good decision for them to pinch hit him, even though he didn't start the game. But that has to be either that was Diaz or McCann or Hefner. Someone in the organization or on the field was like, this is what we have to do to beat JT Ramuto with Edwin Diaz. And that's just great management. Yeah, no, that's like really good to see because, I mean, we've all seen it as Mets fans, the numbers tell you. How many times have we seen him come in, first pitch fastball? Even JT, I think, has done it a couple times to us. First pitch fastball, bang, home run. And we're like, ah, cool, there it is. There's Edwin Diaz. He throws that slider in there for a strike. It just completely changes the whole at-bat. It changed the whole inning. To get JT Muto out to lead off the inning, it it literally, you could just settle back in your chair and be like, all right, he did it. He has it today. That first batter is so important to him. That pitch was sex. That slider was sex. The key was they were able to get out of that inning without getting to the top of the order. Yeah, they say McCutcheon made the last out because he's the, he was ended up as the ghost runner to start extras. That Philly's bottom of the order, man. That's so rough. Throwing Roman Quinn out there. Also, that was a huge play in the game, too. Roman Quinn stealing third. Luis Guillorme making a sick catch. Yeah, that was Roman quite Quinn about that. trying to take home. Watching at the stadium because I was on the third base side. I was like, oh, Guillorme pushed him off. There's no way this is going to stand. But then if you watch the replay, Roman Quinn makes a conscious choice to get up and try scurry away to go home. And it was like, I know you're fast, but you're not that fast, guy. That's just a classic case of like, I only have one tool and I really want to use it. Billy Hamilton syndrome from last year when Billy Hamilton syndrome doing all that nonsense. It's like, dude, just stop. You're getting in the way. You Roman Quinn should have his impact on the game should be I hit eighth and you just I get out. My impact, I get out and I play center field. If you do Once anything, in a while. If you do anything more than that, you're doing too much because they don't care. They're okay with you being an automatic out. They don't care. They've made that choice for you to bunt and do these other you're things. You're killing me. Cut it out. We can move on to extras now too. May look good even though he kind of got screwed up by some bad luck. The extra innings rule, if you give up one run, in my book, that's a win. There was a couple things that the Mets did that inning that I didn't necessarily agree with. I would not have walked Bryce Harper. We were both talking about this. Oh, actually, we should talk back. To, we got lost in the fold a little bit, but we were arguing over text message during the bottom of the seventh inning that day. The Brandon Nimmo bunt. First and second, nobody out. You need one run to win the game. You have to bunt in that situation. I am a never bunter. I hate. I don't like the bunt. It has its place in the history of the game. It has its place in Korea and Japan. I don't, <laughs> I don't affirm the bunt, but mathematically when you need one run the bunt is the right decision you can get a man from second to third with less than one with less than two outs you have to drop that down especially out of all of the guys in this lineup Nimmo is one of the few who I would 
guess, I'd wager that he is a good bunter. Even though he's the hottest hitter in baseball right now, a man on fire, I still would have dropped it down there and tried to win it before extras. Yeah, I'm so I'm so against bunting like at all. Now, I used to be like when I played, I was the bunting guy. I mean, it happens. You get hits, you bunt, you do, you play the little things. But like everybody on a major league baseball team is pretty much good enough to get a hit at some point, and especially when it's our one, two, three, Nimmo, Lindor, Dom. You're giving me three chances with a guy on first and second to get them in no outs. Minimum three chances, by the way. That's if nobody gets on. I, I can't I can't take the bat out of Nimmo's hands because Here's what happens. Let's say he he drops out a bunny, pops it up. He does, which we've seen. Oh well, you're assuming times. you're assuming the bunt doesn't work. I'm, I'm assuming, assuming the, the bunt's bunt. going to work. Do we have a I wouldn't of like how many okay. Times bunts actually do work though. Because if we want, if we want to continue playing the hypothetical game, like let's say Trevor May shut the Phillies down in the eighth, and we came up in the bottom of the eighth again, needing one run to win the game with a man on second, nobody out. I probably would not bunt Pete because I don't think Pete can bunt. No way, he would pop up a bunt. Love Pete. But Nimmo is a guy who has bunted for, I don't know if he's actually been successful, but he's dropped bunts for hits in his career. I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. Like, he can bunt. And to get a guy to third base with one out, with give, giving Landor a chance just to make contact to win the game, you take that shot. Especially Landor, who has made, exclusively made contact this entire season. You don't think that they would have just intentionally walked Landor to get the bases loaded and then you still have the double Great. play in the, chance? Or you're saying well, you take taking chances there? 100%. Then you have Dom Smith up, another guy who makes lots of great contact. The guy we've been talking about has been clutch since they that's moved true, to the three-hole. I don't know. Yeah. I just like, I don't, I don't like giving it's, up It's outs. so e- I don't like giving up outs either. Like, a, a run won the game. I understand that. But they weren't yeah. losing. If we were if we were tied in the eighth inning of a nine-inning game, I would never, ever vouch for this. But you need exactly one run to win the game. Exactly, precisely. Two runs does nothing. This, the guy in first base doesn't even exist. Just get rid of him. Whatever. Pretend he's not there besides for the force out. In that situation, I vouch for the bunt. And I'm, I'm, I'm still sticking with team no bunt. It ended up not working out either way because like they didn't get the runs, so I was wrong. But they ended up winning, so I, I don't care that I was wrong. But I want to know for the listeners and viewers at home, if you're on YouTube, you can get in the comments section or you can tweet us at the Messed Up Podcast on Twitter at Messed Up. I want to know if you're team bunt or team don't bunt. So tweet us. Let us know what you're thinking. I want to see the sides. We're taking a poll here. I need to know what the viewers and listeners are thinking because a little, little, little bit of a debate here going on. I don't I don't want to be misconstrued as being a member of Team Bunt. I never want to be labeled a member of Team Bunt ever in my life. I'm just saying in that situation, I would have bunted. I'm not on Team Bunt. If you choose Bunt ever, you're Team Bunt. You either you're you're either on the team or you're against it. You can't be you can't be picking sides. You can't be whatever is uh, convenient to your conversation. In our I'm team bunt while tied as the home team with a man on second and nobody out. In That's what I'm team bunt. That I'm team bunt. Yeah, I don't even know if I have enough characters to put that in a tweet, but that's the team bunt I am on. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah, let us know if you guys are team bunt or team not bunt there. And uh, back to the extra innings because we were talking about how electric they was. Talking about not walking or walking Harper, which like we said, we both hated. And at didn't the end like of the day, it all. didn't really matter. It didn't no, do anything. No, it didn't. Uh-uh. But I, I guess... I don't, I don't like that move. I don't either. I get. I see that without JT Realmuto in the lineup, and that being followed by Bohm Gregorius rather than Realmuto Bohm Gregorius, you don't want Harper to beat you. But I just I hate putting free guys on base when you're in a tie game. When especially when you're like Alec Bohm has not been killing the mess, but he's been pretty clutch, and it seems like he's going to be a guy who's a thorn in our side for the next decade plus. I again, it kind of worked out in a way, but. 
I just I don't like putting base runners on when there's that much chaos already with the extra innings. And which is crazy because I think in years past I would have said walk Harper in a heartbeat. Don't let Bryce Harper beat you. But now the Phillies do have some more hitters where it was like Bohm can hit a home run, Didi can hit a home run. Not that I thought they were going to in that situation, but the way no, things have been possible. Going, yeah, the way things that go for the Mets sometimes they go okay now it's a three run deficit instead of you know especially like you said in extra innings where that's it it's basically sudden death now with how it works. Yeah. The way that the extra inning rules are set up, you'd almost rather be the road team because when you take that first at bat, you can deliver a knockout punch. When Harper was up, it was one, no, a run wasn't in yet. They had an out. It was just man a second one out, correct? Yeah. Hoskins, yeah. So that that's just crazy to me. Like that situation where Harper's not exactly like, he's not, he's never going to hit 300. Like he's, I, he's not, he's not really a put the ball in play kind of guy. He's a three outcome guy. You know how you got to think about it too? You're basically putting... Because you got to assume, like, okay, you have a chance automatically when you start that first inning and extra innings to put up two runs on the board with one swing of the bat automatically. By now putting Harper on for free, and I know it's like to force the double play, but again, Trevor May's not a ground ball pitcher anyway, so it doesn't no. really matter. You're automatically giving yourself, you have to have three guys come to the plate kind of thing. <laughs> Even though he did get ground balls right yes. after yes. this. But we just couldn't, yeah. It was like you, you automatically have a chance at two, you don't have a chance at three. And you were giving the Phillies a chance to put up three on the board right there. And you, there's like no way to really say it, but like it's like the classic, like you don't put the tying run or the winning run at the plate or whatever it is, whatever the saying, I don't know what it is. But like you were essentially putting the winning run at the plate because the Mets just physically couldn't do that with one swing of the bat to start the No, game. for sure. And like, I don't know, if May had like a, a really tough out against Hoskins to start the inning and it was, like he put a drive into one or something more, but he diced up Hoskins. He struck him out swinging like... The stuff was working, but like, I, uh, and then he even got Bohm to pop out, which like in that moment, that was crazy. And the pass ball, the pass ball just killed them. Pass ball with a nubber to, tie, to drive in a run. That was, I was just like, here we go again. More of this bullshit from the first series. Like we're going to lose on some nonsense. I was, I was down. Fans bad. were disgruntled. I had a lot of very angry Mets fans behind me game one before we won. McCann stinks, Conforto stinks, Lindor stinks. And I was like, whoa, hold on a second. You can play poorly, but to say that a player stinks off of, at the time, which was what, seven games? Insanity. Or for the Mets, it was five. They were two and three. <laughs> I'm not proud of it, but I had a McCann tweet in the draft. So I didn't, I didn't send it off. You didn't send it though. That's huge. <laughs> I didn't send it. I didn't send it. I had it typed out. I was like, I'm not happy with this guy, but I kept it in there. All the credit to me. It was an interesting game for the Mets. Uh, yeah. Let's just talk about our offense at the end of that game too. Really stepped woke up. up. We finally we really woke up. Stepped up. All we needed was a free guy in second base, I guess. Game one was when uh, Conforto got hit by Alvarado, right? That was game one. That, that was, was the one. Uh, that was the fifth inning, the sixth inning. Okay, well, if it's not game one, I'll let it out. But if it is, you're going to continue to hear no, this. It was game one. Okay, I like I especially when Dom got on the top step and was getting loud. I felt like mm-hmm. that was a little bit of a wake up moment. Felt like it was a little yeah. wake the sleeping bear. Like, all right, you want you want to go? That. We need something. We needed something to get us going. Rojas isn't going to be the guy. He wasn't going. I didn't like notice him as much on TV. Don was the guy in the step. I think McCann was drawing too. Which as the catcher, you love to see that. As the love catcher. it, love it. But yeah, and then we just we got up in the ninth. We just started hitting the freaking ball. Alonso, that first yeah, laced, first at bat, lacing a single, crushed it off the bat. It was over 100, 105 miles an hour. McNeil busted for a fielder's choice that preserved the entire inning that was huge just twice dd kind of took an in-between hop and screwed up a double play this series terrible shortstop defensively yeah he's not very keith keith was ragging on him he was like does he does he not trust segura like what's he doing that's just the wrong play (laughs) i just like i love to talk about how average dd is in the grand scheme of shortstops and it gets people so he's super average he's not good at the field and he just hits home runs that's kind of it but that's not why they lost the game anyway they lost the game because jonathan vr 
of all people, steps up to the plate, smokes one to left field. And Crushed I, it. He stepped up, and I went, oh, God, man, VR. I'm tired of watching this guy hit. He's 0-2 every we were te- time. We, we were texting about it. I was like, ah, oh, strikeout. You're like, for sure, no doubt. But like, yeah, never mind. Boom. Shows shows us, fuck you, Mets Pub Podcast. You don't know shit about me. No, I, listen, I'll take it. I'll be wrong. Hell yeah, day. hell yeah. Good win. Mets needed that. Great win. And it carried Big into game two, that. as we could tell. So carried into game two. Oh, my God. It's a fucking Stro show, baby. Strowman's good, man. Strowman's good. He's so he's, he's so really good. really good. And like the chip on his shoulder thing now is is even better because it's like he he's shoving. Definitely. We oh I think a lot of people around baseball kind of forgot how good he was. He was in that like upper echelon of American League pitchers for a couple of years with the Blue Jays before the World Baseball Classic and the ACL, which he had some knee problems, he had some arm problems, but he looks true to form right now really sharp really sharp i don't i didn't see the like miles per hour on all his you know fastballs and stuff but it looked like it was coming out pretty good no yeah everything was good miles an hour wise he again this was kind of the reverse of taiwan where he was more weak contact this game rather than whiffs and strikeouts which is generally more of his game i think he's wanted to become the strikeout guy for a couple years now because he sees the impending free agency and he knows how and why people get paid of course he he really really bumped up his sinker usage in the start much more so than game one which is that's his bread and butter even though he was getting many more whiffs with his four seamer and then his uh his cutter slider the slither for the people at home the slither it's in between a cutter and a slider and savant doesn't really know how to like lay, lay them up sometimes so he says both even though they have similar break but again whatever's working is working and that was we had a ground ball day he had a great ground ball day yeah, you know, he, he looked really sharp. He's at the point for me now where he goes on the mound and I feel really, really good about every single game with him on the mound. I go, this is a game we're going to win. It's not like a we should win. It's a game we're going to win because if he pitches like this, they're just simply not going to be able to score a lot of runs while he's in the game. And we know with this Mets offense, when they are clicking, which they've started to a little bit more recently, it's going to be hard to beat them if you only score three runs. The clicking began extra innings of that game probably honestly in the seventh inning when the Mets had the rally in game one but the later innings here the Mets start to get to Nola he just was there was there were no easy at bats the Mets fouled 17 pitches off on Aaron Nola in five innings the bottom of the orders who got it done McNeil Pilar VR and Nito are five six seven eight hitters all score the run almost all of them driven in by Brandon Nimmo of course but yeah, that's huge. Like to see those guys doing it and then the rallies to continue past the pitcher, which is crazy. That's amazing. That's a full team win. We talked about it, I think, in our l- last time we talked about the Phillies. Mets are really starting to figure out Nola. And I'm starting to wonder, is he becoming predictable? Is his stuff not snap? Again, couldn't watch it on TV, but it just looked like no. It looked like everyone was very comfortable and looked like no one was fooled at all. We talked about this. or I mentioned it. The podcast we did right before opening day after the Nat series, and I've been tweeting about it a little bit, but Nola was one of the players who complained the most about the new ball in 2019. And there's more evidence coming out every single day that this ball, again, has been altered in ways that we cannot figure out. But it seemed like for Nola, a guy who generally lives on the edge and succeeds with command, he just was getting either the heart of the plate or it was a pitch you could spit on. And he's not going to be effective in that way. And twice the Mets have done this to him. They've chased him. He hasn't, touched, he hasn't touched the sixth inning yet against the Mets. And I think I saw he was sitting like 91, 92. That feels a little low for him. It's a little low for him, but it was a chilly evening. Yeah, it was, it was chilly cold. evening it in April. It got really cold, really quickly. Can say that for sure. I just, I love seeing the Mets play good baseball. And we saw that for about eight, seven, eight innings. You know, mm-hmm. the other almost, a, almost a whole game. Almost a whole game. Almost a whole game. Is It was really good. Really good to see them playing well. They seemed like... Like a little weight got lifted off their shoulder a little bit. Playing a little bit more loose, especially game two. Like, 
okay, we're, we're, we're this is us. This is our game. No, we're they were good. jamming. They were feeling it. And I think a guy like VR stepping up like that takes the weight of the shoulders off everybody else. We've been very hard on Jonathan VR. But hand up. we were hard on him, though, because we don't want him playing every single day. We're like, he's great no, in yeah. the spurts. Flash in the pan, pinch hitter. And like the fact that <laughs> I, like, I kind of like when managers do this, where he had that big hit in game one, and they just parlay them right into game two. Get back in the lineup. Get right out there, kid. It made no sense because, of course, a Stroman ground ball pitcher, you'd want... 100%, out. yeah. Oh, during that half hour, I was like, why in the world is Guillermo not pitching? I can't believe this. And then once he had the RBI double, I was like, oh, yeah, good, leave him out there. The one qualm I had with this game was the weird situation with Stroman we, in the seventh. Yeah, so I don't know if you saw. We actually have an answer for this. Stroman came out, and he said, and I'll, I'll try to find the tweet and put it down there, but he said something along the lines of... His plan was to go out and pitch the seventh, but because it was such a long inning, he just stayed out on the bases because he's probably one of their better base runners to begin with anyway. Dude's a freak athletically. But he came back in. He was cold. They didn't like how much downtime he had because I think it was about 30, 40 minutes. And they were like, you know what? We we have a way to end this game. We've got a decent lead where we can give it to Familia and we don't feel too bad. That was what the whole conversation basically was, was that it was planned for him to come in for the seventh and pitch, but because of the break and the fact that they didn't want to just use another guy as well to run and just waste, burn another guy... Stroman was like, I was so cool with running. Like, I'm fine with it. Like, please don't take shots at Rojas. We love this guy. We play hard for him. Not his fault. This was the plan. Here's what happened. Yeah, I like that too. I'm glad you told me that because that makes way more sense. You could see him also on the base pass. When he was on third, he was like jumping and like stretching. He's like, yeah, he's trying to stay warm. He's like, I get that. But it was so big that he gave us length because after burning Castro, Diaz, and May, Castro and May, he's throwing over 20 pitches. Like, none of those guys are available in game two. And you can't really throw Diaz again after that. No. I mean, he threw 10 pitches and he looked electric, but I under- it would be difficult to pull that kind of adrenaline two times in one day. And you just burn him then for the rest of the series, too, kind of thing. So it was, it was really nice that he'd give us that length. And we got a big enough lead where we could have Jerry's Familia come in. And again, while he didn't have a clean inning, he still got Does he ever? He's in, well, <laughs> no, he, he does. He never will. He never will. But he also gets so screwed with the amount of cheap little shit hits that go up against him. Yeah, it's sinker ballers, man. That's all that happens with sinker ballers. Like, that's it. But the fact that he's been good, fine, as our fourth string reliever, awesome. 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 That's all we can ask for. He's no longer our setup, our closer, our seventh inning guy even. Him being effective as our fourth, and he will be our fifth option at some point, that's huge for Definitely. the he's part, he's part of the B team, and you need to have a good B team because we're playing every day. This is baseball. And then game three. What a performance out of David Peterson. That's, that's yeah, the start this was, of the show. This was the Peterson game, definitely. This was it. He looked really, really sharp. 10 Ks, which he's not a strikeout guy. He's not a swing and miss guy like that. 10 Ks was kind of surprising, especially against a Phillies lineup that destroys left-handed pitching and really roughed him up the other day when he made a start against them in a week. Crushed him the other day and crushed him last year. Like, you figure, there's always kind of like a dichotomy of that argument where it's like the hitters have seen a guy, so they're going to hit him better. But the pitchers have also seen the hitters, so they might have different scattered reports and their weaknesses. People always kind of use that to fit their own narrative. So we're going to do the same right now. And Peterson just Peterson just got used to the Phillies. He, I guess he saw some holes. It worked. He was attacking. He was attacking the zone, and he wasn't just living on the outsides, outside part of the zone, which I always say, like, I hate it, especially against the Phillies, who will just take the ball to right field. Guys like Hoskins and Bohm don't care. I love seeing him come inside. He he looked really, really strong, and again, he gave us a really, really good start that we need. What do you go, six, seven, seven innings? He went six innings, not seven. Okay, sick. That's even better, though. Six innings, ten strikeouts? It's really good. Little factoid, Peterson was, became the seventh Met lefty ever to have 10 strikeouts and no walks in the start. 
That's incredible. The last one. You want to hear the last Met to do that? You want to be shocked for a second? Give me the stat again so I can try and guess. You want to guess? Sure. I'll even give you two. The seventh Met lefty ever to have 10 strikeouts and no walks in a start. Okay, Johan would be one of my guesses. He's not the last one, though. He's not the last one. Okay, so it comes after I'm, I'm guessing the last one, yeah. It I didn't do enough research to find Johan. everyone. Okay. It was between Johan and David Peterson. Between Johan and David Peterson, John Neese? No, but oh. good guess. That That's who it would have been, too. You want to hear this name? Chris Capuano. Chris Capuano. That was a guy my dad always wanted the Mets to get. They got him, and he was, I, okay. Paisan. Yeah, good, good, good New Yorker. But, yeah, he's the last Met lefty that have 10 strikeouts and no walks in out. And he did it in a random day game in, like, August or something, too, or Chris September. Chris Capuano right, yeah. only ever pitched day games. He never got a night game. He's like he's like the college pitcher. You're the weekday pitcher. You don't pitch on the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> Bad eyes. Can't see at night. No, I can't see. <laughs> That's crazy, though. Chris Capuano, I honestly that... would have never guessed had a good start with the Mets. No, never. I think this was probably just about the only one. But, yeah, that's... That just goes to show, like, really good start. Really, really good start. They're just not a lot of... It doesn't happen often for the Mets. The other star of the game, James McCann, my boy, finally broke out. He went from hitting, finally. like, 140 to... I think he's up to 283 now, which just goes to show, again, five, six games, people stop saying these guys stink. A good night changes everything. He went from being... He's asked to... I'm sure that same guy who's behind me saying he stinks goes... Man, he's a really good catch. They got a great signing in this guy, and it's like his average jumped up over a hundred points in one game. How did he do it? Oh, I love the ten, like, the ten game samples are the best. Yeah, it's like oh, it's almost like he only has thirty at bats. Like especially like, and he got his home run off JoJo Romero, which he destroys left handed pitching. And it's good to see that the power has been there because he really even in spring didn't hit for much powers. A lot of singles, a lot of gap shots, and I don't think he's ever going to be you know a thirty home run guy. He's never trying to be. No, I don't even know if he'll ever be a twenty. You sit him in at that fifteen range over a season with the defense that he's been playing and he really does do a great job behind the plate handling the pitchers I think that's a huge thing with our starting pitchers that we're not giving enough credit to is how well he does catch a game back there oh for sure him on the receiving end of these pitchers is is having an impact for sure the pass ball on Tuesday afternoon that sucked but that was like a freak thing he just got caught in between like he was gonna he was gonna catch it over he ended up catching under hit the heel bounced away it happens and for it's a long every season. one of those you have to remember like there have been some blocks that he's made where like damn he saved a run or he saved a base runner going to the next base so like you said it's gonna even out it's fine nothing to worry about but I'm really glad to see him like breaking out I think he was a guy you could tell was pressing a little bit he'd had some at bats where he's swinging out of his shoes trying to do a little too much he didn't he did not look very good before yesterday not since spring but I, I was really happy to see him get some hits he's a guy that I like a guy I've been high on for a while and a guy that like I was very excited when we signed I know we all want Riamuto, but I was like this guy's good I'm telling you yeah, I was I was I was moderately excited we've had some arguments about this maybe mid-year if anything ever comes up we'll talk about it again but, but. just think again like and this doesn't help because Wilson Ramos is playing out of his goddamn mind right now. <laughs> league leader in home run. Uh, second in the league. Acuna hit another yeah, he's one today. Six, which what he hit six all of his entire Mets career. That's not fair. I, I think he more. had he had either nineteen or twenty his entire tenure with the Mets. I'm gonna double check this right now to get it exact. This is the thing that Ramos always does, and it's not a Wilson Ramos podcast, but just to go back to my point. He goes on like a week stretch where he just doesn't stop hitting home runs. He just goes off, and I think that's what we're seeing right now. But back to my whole point, we have had such a hole for a catcher. Like defensively, he's fantastic compared to what we've had. And offensively, if we can get anything, that's a plus. He's going to be hitting eight for us. Out of the eight hole, as long as he is not literally getting out every single time and playing the defense he has behind the plate... That's going to help the Mets team so much. So I'm I'm really glad to see him at least break out of that slump a little bit, hopefully. But again, like you just said, getting any positives from him at the plate is a plus. He's here for his defense, his management, his demeanor, his like his energy. That's what they signed him for. Is that worth $10 million? 
that's neither here nor there. But again, seeing him get the bat on the ball yesterday, put a couple balls in play hard, that's awesome. That's great. And uh, another new acquisition as well had another big day yesterday. Uh, can we get a loop? There it is. Loop, there it is. I thought that tweet was going to kill. I think you had the problem of, I think every single Mets fan also tweeted loop, there it is. So yeah, you're probably right about that. that. was going to kill. Of course, yeah. Liking no tweets. I don't know how much faith I'm going to have in him all year, but yesterday he just did his job. He got the lefties out. That's what we need. Lot, there's a lot of good lefties in this division, and Aaron Loop is going to need to get them out. That's it. No, anything else? Stay in the bullpen, Aaron Loop. You don't even have to show up if we're not playing a team that has a good left-handed hitter. Just stay home. And he just got he's got a very opportunistic ground ball. Thank God. If that ground ball is five feet to the left or five feet to the right, we're having a very different conversation right now. <laughs> oh, 100%. He got lucky. Wins a win, as we've been saying. And, of course, Diaz with the trumpets. I think the trumpets, I think that walkout song, we've now both been in the stadium while he's yeah, had it's it. Yeah, freaking electric. awesome. Shout out to Clem of uh, Barstool because he's the guy who like, kind of put that song on the map about, like, this is Diaz's song, in a, apparently, and it's it's electric. And let me tell you, even with, like, the 8,000 people in the stands— everybody's getting up you can't help but stand and dance a little bit to the song i never ever thought i would hear gary cohen other the phrase blaster jacks and Timmy which Trumpets. is one of what yeah. which is which are the artists who behind that song but first time for everything i guess yeah i mean like that shit slaps it goes hard and i think hard like, you what am i gonna bring up right now about diaz come on you know what i'm gonna bring up Get get to it. World Baseball Classic. He loves oh the energy. He <laughs> loves he loves the excitement. He's a dude who needs a little chaos going there. He needs he needs some noise. He needs a little bit of a little bit of craziness going on. Mark's a bigger fan of the World Baseball Classic than the ambassador to Japan. No one else cares more about the World Baseball Classic than those two people. I love the World Baseball Classic, and I loved how Edwin Diaz pitched in there. And I think when you play that music, everyone's jumping and getting loud. He gets back into that zone, and he's filthy, and he's shown it. What a take. What a freaking take. Put that in the books. That's going to be the highlight for the Instagram video. Edwin Diaz feels like he's in the World Baseball Classic when he hears Blaster Jackson, and Timmy Trumpets. That's why he's been pitching so well. They got to have, when the stadium's full again, we got to have a night where the Trumpets are item. I mean, that's just... Maybe that's what our first merchandise can be. Maybe we sell some plastic Ah. vuvuzelas with our logo on the side of it. Some trumpets, yeah. Some messed up trumpets. I'm thinking. I like that. Look at the business mind going. Gotta gotta always keep it going. We also, we can't continue to move through this episode without talking about Brandon Nimmo. Yeah, I mean, we're done talking about the games now. Now we're to the two guys that we want to focus on the most, but the first being Nimmo. Oh my God. Brandon Nimmo. He's the highest on-base percentage in baseball right now. He he get, like Mark said before, he gets on base more than he gets out. That's disgusting. That's gross. You should not that shouldn't be allowed. You should be put thrown in jail for that kind of behavior. He has the same amount of walks as strikeouts, which a guy who has struggled with strikeouts before, he made some major gains in 2020 to get that getting that freaking swing right, man. Good on there. Love it. Freaking great. Saw a stat yesterday during the broadcast, too. He has the fifth highest on-base percentage in baseball since the start of 2018. That's shocking. What's crazy is his numbers have, like, especially, like, on-base percentage, WRC+. plus. Like, you put them amongst players in baseball, he's been really, really good, even without this year. Like, he's just been a great—offensively, he has always been, and I'm going to say it, elite offensively since he's really gotten playing time with the Mets. The big joke on Twitter right now is— People calling Brandon Nimmo a fourth outfielder because there's lots of people on Twitter who've been calling him a fourth outfielder for years. Anyone who's ever called Brandon Nimmo a fourth outfielder seriously, you should be shot 
to the moon. You could say that like 2015, 2016 time. That's fine. I guess. But yeah. any point I mean, that in would... the last three years, if you said those words out of your mouth, you're an idiot. That was like 2015, 2016 time. We tried to trade Brandon Nimmo for Jay Bruce. And then and then when we still got Jay Bruce, we gave him $36 million to make for sure Brandon Nimmo wouldn't start. It's, uh, like, it's unbelievable. You yeah, know, he's he's so good. Like, he's just, I don't know. There's really, I can't he's even sick. like. He's sick. He's really good at baseball. Make the words. But he's just, he's really improved. He's been good but I think he's only getting better and really starting to see it this year. Like he gets up there and he just knows exactly what's going to happen. It feels like we're getting to a, a time now where especially it gets increasingly less likely that Michael can remains long-term where we should be opening up extension negotiations with a Brandon Nimmo. Yeah, definitely. This guy is a, is an athlete. He's a hither. His, even his play in center field this year, dare I say has been adequate, which is a step up from poor which is where he used to be. If he's going to be elite offensively, be adequate defensively at least. The Mets this year have been very good at limiting fly balls, which has helped Brandon Nimmo's advanced stats be above average. Uh, out OAA on StatCast, it's good. It's not great. You could take whatever your take on it. That's fine. But the Mets have allowed the second fewest fly balls in all of baseball this year. That will change when Syndergaard and Carrasco come back into this rotation. Those are both primarily fly ball guys. But when you're not allowing a lot of fly balls, it's pretty good that you have a poor defensive outfield. There's a reason people get so enthralled, good word, with launch angle. And it's because when you hit the ball in the air, you tend to get better outcomes. The Mets are limiting the ball in the air. That's why their pitching is doing so well, partially in reason. Definitely. There was a good Twitter thread a couple months ago during the offseason from one of the um one of the head guys at Driveline Baseball Academy where he said, would you rather get a swing and miss or a ground ball. And there was a great conversation with a lot of brilliant baseball minds that exist all over Twitter. And it's very, it's a very interesting question because you could almost never get killed with a ground ball. Ground balls become a, like to a degree lucky based on your shifting, your defense, just if a ball finds a hole or not. Getting that this many ground balls is awesome, especially with how good our defensive infield is now, which is a transition us to the second guy we're going to talk about who's playing great baseball, Francisco Lindor. And like, People are going to say, like, great baseball. He's hitting 223, and he has an OPS below 650 or whatever it is right now. But this is a guy you got to dive a little deeper into the numbers, and you got to understand he's coming. He's coming. He's been getting more hits, too, recently. He's doing things at the plate right now that are unfreaking believable. He is walking a ton more than he's striking out, more than three times more than he's striking out so far. That you you almost cannot you cannot fail as a baseball player if that continues. He will regress, sure, but his whiff rate right now is better than ninety nine percent of players in the league. He's not swinging at bad pitches. He's just he's just he's looks so in command of the play. He's just not finding the gaps. He's not making the perfectly solid contact that you're used to him making consistently. Yeah. But he has gotten that max exit velocity already into the top ten percent of the league. He's put the ball in play one hundred twelve miles an hour. More of that is to come. Once he gets more comfortable, if he can retain these gains in plate discipline that seems like he's made, and also just the benefit of hitting in a much stronger lineup than he ever has in his career, there's going to be a hot streak coming. And a weekend in Colorado is a great way to push you into a hot streak. Yeah, weekend in Colorado could really help out guys like the Mets, but it's also a series that I'm just not looking forward to. Yeah, no, I'm upset. I, I said a hot streak in Colorado because I'm trying to be positive, but this actually looks like going to be a dis- disgusting two days in Colorado. The notes, up. the notes say snow and cold. What the fuck? That's what our notes say because I think right now the like forecast is sub thirty degree temperatures. No, the Saturday first pitch Saturday is supposed to be throwing the high twenties. Yeah, sick. That's that's fun disgusting. Weather. And there's Foul. snow coming as well. 
yeah, for two days. It's Denver. It's Denver in April. Denver in April. We usually play this Rocky series in August. We usually get a nice three games in Colorado, a nice four games in Arizona. We hit the piss out of the ball. We come back to the field winning five out of seven. That's how this always goes. How in God's name did Major League Baseball, first off, give the Rockies this many home games to start the season I off don't in April? Know. And then how are you having a team from the East play the Rockies at home in April? If anything, the Rockies should be coming here at the absolute worst. There is no world where the Mets should be playing the Rockies in April. And this leads us to the next thing. Because of the rain out today, Jacob deGrom is starting tomorrow in Colorado, and I don't want him on the mound at all. I want Jacob deGrom. Honestly, I don't even want him to get on the plane. No, keep him in New York. I want keep him bundled up in, in his apartment or his house, wherever he lives, an extra sweatshirt on or something, maybe a beanie, a hat. I don't want this guy to be cold for a moment. No, I don't want him to step foot in Colorado because there's here's what the positive is you get out of the Mets pitching Jacob DeGrom in Colorado. You beat the Rockies. Guess what? You should be able to beat the Rockies, honestly, with anybody that the Mets have on their pitching staff right now. This Rockies team is horrendous. This would be a great time for Robert Gazelman's debut. Yes. Give us three or four innings to start the game. Pitch against Chichi Gonzalez or whoever's going to pitch for the Rockies in these games. The Rockies consistently, just because of it sucks that they have to build a team in Coors Field, but they have never had good pitching, and until they overhaul the organization, will never have good pitching. We should be putting up football scores on the Rockies for three games. I don't want to see Jacob DeGrom pitch. Yeah, no, he should not be touching the field. I get it. He probably wants to say in his like schedule as well. He's a very he's a guy who's made it very clear from the start. He's like very regimented in how he does his off days, and he wants to pitch every X amount of days. Send him to City Field with Ali Sanchez and throw a simulated game. I don't care. Ali Sanchez on the Cardinals. <laughs> we can't even use him. Get Pat Mazzica. I forgot he went to the Cardinals. Get Pat Mazzica out there. I'll I'll take a bats. I'll stand there and I'll wave at a hundred pitches. Whatever he needs to do. Tomorrow is Chichi Gonzalez. Oh God. The fact <laughs> he's that he's on Chichi the schedule. Gonzalez, sorry, Chichi, you're now the new Brett Anderson of this series. Yeah. Chase Anderson, Chase Anderson. Oh, they both are boring. Who cares? They both are guys I'd love to face. Who cares? Chichi Gonzalez, especially in Coors. Sign me up. The Mets need me to pitch tomorrow, maybe. I'll do it. I'll hit two. He's on the list. Chichi Gonzalez is on the list of guys I'd like to hit against. 100%. I couldn't tell you anything about Chichi Gonzalez except for the fact that he's pitched for the Rockies for way too long. However long it's been, it's too long. (laughs) Sorry, Chichi. You might be a nice guy. I'm sure he's a great guy. Fun name. The combination of your name being Chichi. And the fact that you just haven't had success typically in the majors? You know what? How about this? Fuck Chichi Gonzalez. He went to Oral Roberts. I'm still not over that. The Mets, like you said, I mean, if we don't see, I'm going to, I need to see 30 runs out of three games. And if we score 30 runs, I think we're going to do pretty well. Because outside of Trevor Story and Charlie Blackman, there's pretty much nobody on this team that can hit. They still have some hitters. I mean, never in years past is going to be statistically the worst home Rockies offense that we've ever seen. Because their worst ever, I was in a little Twitter argument with someone else today talking about fantasy baseball, but their worst ever hitting team was 2013. That team had Charlie Black. My team still had Todd Helton. The team had a young Corey Dickerson. The team had some bats. Carlos Gonzalez in his heyday. This team has no bats. No, it's it's Story and Black. Except for Story. Blackman McMahon's okay sometimes. Tapia's annoying because he'll just get a hit. A little, little yeah, slap. You, you love Tapia. That's he your guy. He's an electric factory, and he's the most exciting <laughs> player in baseball. Don't, don't, I will never, deny, <laughs> I'll never deny that. Rymel Tapia in the World Baseball Classic. This guy talks about baseball for a living? I would love to face Rymel Tapia. He'd be on my list of guys I want to pitch against because he has horrible <laughs> plate discipline. He swings in at every single pitch you throw at him. Mets, if they play any games in Colorado, which I seriously wouldn't be Yeah, we could, def- we, we could definitely have a cancellation or two. Sunday looks nice. We might get two games in on Sunday. If Sunday's nice and seven inning game, send a Grom out there. Just tell him pit, 
pitch the first game, take a half hour break, and then give me the first two of the next one. <laughs> yes, whatever whatever you're going to be able to do, whatever you need, you'll be able to handle it. You'll be fine. He's taking it's a 30 minute break in between every or double header games. He's had a 30 minute break in innings. It's just think it's, it's the a long inning. Yeah, just think it's the It's fourth. also Coors Field. Every other inning's a 30 minute break. You're going to hit for 11 batters. Yeah. That's how it works. Mets have to have to smack that smack around the Rockies these are like bury them these are the bury games, them. especially right now with like the Mets are playing pretty good baseball a lot of the National League East is struggling right now it's a, they're beating up on each other these are three games that you should win I'm not going to say you got to sweep them that's that's tough to do in baseball no matter who you're playing hard to get a sweep but these are three games that if you can get three wins that's really big when you look at the win-loss column at the end of the year getting three against the Rockies that's huge. That would be huge for them. It's just simply one of the worst teams in baseball. And if you want to be one of the best teams in baseball, you have to pulverize the worst ones. Pulverize the worst and be 500 against the rest. And you are going to be a playoff team. we got to make up a loss to the Marlins with the Grom on the mound. Yeah. Oh. And take it all out in the Rockies. And we were there. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> right, well, it's a long summer. There'll be better days. But positive episode today. Really, Great episode. really good vibes. Mets are looking good. Mets are playing good baseball finally. Starting to really click and feel good. All the negatives that we had, Conforto's really the only guy who's still looking pretty horrible at the plate. Otherwise, everyone else is at least giving us something to look forward to. When's the last time Matt Conforto got a hit? Yes. 2020? <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's been too yeah, long. He's, he's a guy who if we like... I'm going to say this. If we do come up against a tough lefty, is that a, does that exist in Colorado? No, Rockies don't have one. I would say I mean, you'd give him a day off, but you want him to hit in Colorado because he has the best chance to get a hit there out of any stadium in the in, in sports. We're not going to see a tough lefty for a while because we're seeing Rockies, Cubs, Nationals, Bosox for two. We might see Eduardo Rodriguez. No, Don't know how the rotation is going to shake out. And then Phillies again. There's no tough lefty on the horizon. Which is great for us. But I Yeah, just amazing like, for us. He does need a day off, I think. I don't think he's in the spot right now of keep playing and he'll figure it out. I think it's a day off and sit on the sidelines and watch what's happening a little bit because he is just, he's even more lost at the plate than we thought. I don't want to get too far ahead here, but the Mets have a stretch against some bad pitching coming up for about a calendar month. Rockies, Cubs, Nationals, going to miss Scherzer, apparently right now. Red Sox, Phillies again, good pitching, we've hit them. And then Cardinals, you see the Diamondbacks, they have a couple nice pitchers. And then it's not until you see the Rays, two series after the Diamondbacks, where let's let's get the offense rolling here. We, were spo- we thought we were going to be one of the better offenses in the league that hasn't materialized. Let's put that together. Yes, we've, we're coming in hot to playing in Colorado. That only means a lot, one thing, lots of runs. Lots of runs are coming. Let's do it. We let's waxed go. the Phillies. Time to... What's what's mine the Rockies? Is that the appropriate Oh, that was term? tough. <laughs> Are we going to cut that? No, I'm keeping that in there. It's terrible. I'm going to keep it. Someone foul. come up with something better. There has to be something. That's our, that's our bad take of the day from Mark. Yeah, let's mine, mine the Rockies. Rockies. Let's mine them up. Uh, let's drop some TNT. and uh, You got to stop. That's it. Episode let's, six, let's everybody. Frack, let's frack the Rockies. <laughs> Can I say that? This is terrible. Mark wants to get rid of the national parks, I see. Yeah. Um, if you're watching no this nature YouTube, Mark. I'm about as red as my shirt right now because I'm swinging <laughs> and missing as bad as anyone ever has. Thank you for listening. Look, look at Conforto up there. Oh. Hey, yo. Good friend. He's a nice guy. I hope he uh, comes I out here Conforto. one day. I love Conforto. is going to get hot this week. But uh, I think that is the great spot to end episode number six of the Metz Up podcast. James Shiano, Jeter had no range. Mark Luino, Giraffe Neck Mark, you know us all well by this point. Thank you for the amazing support you guys have continued to show on the channel. You know where to listen to us. Apple, Google, Spotify, 
all those places will be able to be listened to. And you can watch us on YouTube if you want to see a video with it as well, because sometimes I put some clips in there. We'll see how I'm feeling today. I got a lot of work to do. I'm going to be the show comes out at midnight. I might be playing. We don't know. But nice, think, nice plug. Yeah, nice plug. They didn't pay me for that. They should have. But they didn't pay you for that either. They should have. But uh, no, yeah, I'm sitting here with that. It won't be the show. Sucks to suck, man. Sucks to um, suck. Um, unbelievable. Rude. 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 Disturb. <laughs> disturbing. That's how I would explain it. But episode six, we've been rambling for enough. Uh, bye.